This is the Mavericks in Motion podcast. I am your host, Shari Teigman, mindset coach and creative business strategist, and I am here to share with you the Mavericks of the world and pull the curtain back to teach you what it takes to have the mindset of a maverick. Today's Maverick is going to blow you away, not just because he's in a wheelchair, you won't even remember that part, but the kind of person that he is. Sean Gash has been introduced to me through Paul Mort, and I had no idea after our incredible conversation, I found out later, that he is the reason why Tyson Fury decided to pull his life together and get training again. Um, His dear friend Sean was the one who motivated him. Sean is like this beam of light. He became a paraplegic after an accident uh, when he was younger, and it did not only not stop him, it motivated him to continue going both personal challenges raising money for charity and just his outlook on life he climbed Kilimanjaro first paraplegic to ascend the Rangai route he jumped 15,000 feet out of an airplane he's a two-time UK OCR champion first adaptive athlete to compete with his team he's competed over a hundred kilometers of OCR courses he's climbed more mountains than I can explain he completed Land's End to John O'Groats for those of you who don't know the UK that's from the top to the bottom of the UK and he's done now he is a snorkeling and open water dive qualification So he is, besides what he knows how to do, you're going to now see who he is. And I am so proud and excited to introduce you to Sean Gash today. Welcome back to another episode of Mavericks in Motion podcast. Today I have someone I'm really excited to speak to, and you will find out why within a couple of minutes. Welcome to the show, Sean. I'm excited that you are gracing me with your presence. Do you know what? And uh, yeah, I know you, and, uh, I, I'm humbled with that, but also the <laughs> fact that you wanted me. I did want to, you on you my- wanted me, You wanted me to come on and, and chat and talk to you. Do you know, that's in itself is humbling for me. So thank you. Oh, well, it's an honor. And you know, there are people who are the Mavericks of the world, which is what the show is all about for exactly what you just said, that you would find it surprising that I would want to have you on and share you with the world, fascinates me. Because you are someone who lives your life by your own code of ethics, which is what by definition a maverick is. You have been through hell back in between, underneath, over and around. And you have taken your life to a level that most people without what you've been through can't do. They don't choose it. They don't think like it. They don't think big enough. And you've gone up and around almost like one of those swirly straws to live yeah. the natural life to you as a regular day. So I find it fascinating that on the offset, this is surprising to you. Even in your beautiful response to me reaching out, you're like, you want me on the show? I'm like, uh, yeah. who the hell else would I want on the show? So I know. I know. just dive you know, in there. Yeah, no, well, let's let's go. Let's go with the front from the start because, um, in all fairness, I'm I'm an open book, and I, I've always believed that um, the more open and honest you are, the more people will understand and accept, and um, maybe feel inspired. Yes. I don't know if that's a word. It is by by what you do. Um, my journey, and I always call it a journey because I, I believe my life is a journey and an adventure, and my my life 
took a turn at the age of 20 when obviously I was in a road traffic accident um, which completely changed my life. Now, people would look at that and think that it was for the worst. But for me, I looked at it and I took it and I nurtured it and I, and I think that um, it was me. I am the chair, the chair is me. I became a paraplegic, I became paralyzed, I became a wheelchair user. And do you know what, would I change it? No. Have I accepted me? Yeah, has it been a journey? Yeah, of course it has, but life is a journey. And, and I think it's, it's, it's what you do with it and how you deal with it will make you who you are you know you talk about your mavericks you talk about the, the five mavericks and, and one of them which i love is about yourself mm-hmm. and i believe that sorry i do talk a lot uh, so do i go right ahead i'm it's nice to shut up for once take the mic john let's go I, 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 I believe that like so for me it was a case of um accepting and i think that's a big word accepting what's happened uh, for me to move on because like anything regardless whether it's whether it's you know a physical accident or you're going through some mental health um, issues problems difficulties um, once you and I, and I believe this once you uh, accept and uh, understand to a certain degree what's going on then you can find your journey and it might take different paths but you will find your journey and it will make you and build you to the person that you are oh a i love you b i have about (laughs) seven million questions so this may be a marathon episode everyone my first question is this do you see yourself as a maverick uh yeah good you better. Yeah, because because if I if I look at if I look at self relationships, creativity, well being, do you know there these are all the things that that that, uh, that are embedded in me. But you know, just to let you into a little secret, on Friday, I hit the big five zero. Happy birthday! I would sing, but my voice is awful, and I wouldn't do that. Big five zero. So happy half birthday. A, half half a century of um, understanding and you know I've I've spent 30 years in a wheelchair unbelievable but almost half my life in a wheelchair and and uh, uh, would I change it no I wouldn't change it so so from from your your mavericks emotion and the concepts that you have um, yeah that's me I love it own it own it So my second question is, was there a pre-accident, Sean, versus a post-accident, Sean, in terms of, I mean, at 20, you don't know your ass from your elbow anyway, wheelchair or no wheelchair. Yeah, and I I tell you, so so if I give you a bit of history from from me, so I was brought up um, in a forces environment. So my father was in the forces I went to a, a forced boarding school from the age of nine. Everything was very regimented. And I think that's, that's helped me develop who I am because I'm very black and white. So I'm, there's no gray area. So if something happens, you deal with it and you move on. You, you don't reflect 
and you don't look back because I can't change that, but I can deal with it and I can move on. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep jumping back. So oh, two I'm years coming ago, right with you. So like, so two years ago when, when I was going up Ben Nevis and I crushed my leg to me, that was right. Okay. We have to chop the leg off, chop the leg off. You heal, you move on. Amazing. Bish, bash, bosh. And, and, and that's, and that's where, that's where, uh, it helps with my well-being because because I'm so driven in, in that way, um, then I I don't have to. I think I think society is a, uh, I think society is quick to judge and I think society is quick to have a lot of reflection. And when they have a lot of reflection, then they're always looking back about what's happened. And you can't change that. You know, you can you can change and you can plan which direction you're going to go in. Okay, it might deviate and it might go down a, a little cul-de-sac or a little avenue every now and again but that's just part of life and and you've got to you've got to go with that flow so um i think from from my grounding has been from being in the, that enforced environment of being in that boarding school environment and being uh, able to to deal with things in in my way in my head was was a rational thing um, has developed me and helped me and and that's why with the accident you know I was 20 I was in a car crash I broke my back my ribs my shoulder punched both my lungs they gave me two days to live so okay I went through a I went through a a, a difficult time then when I was first um, told about you know my injuries um, because I couldn't see where I was going to go. I couldn't see what was going to happen. I was laid up in bed. I had a psychologist that came up to the side of my bed and he said, Sean, you've been in a car crash. You're paralyzed. You're never going to be able to walk again. And he left. And that was it. And I'm like, shit, I'm 20. What am I going to do? You know, my, my head was, um, am I going to have a wife? Am I going to have a girlfriend? Am I, how, can I have sex? Can I have children? Can, so my head was spinning, spinning, spinning. And then it was like, you know, I went through that dark stage of uh, I wanted to, to end my life because I couldn't see where I was going to go, you know. And it wasn't until I started getting up in in, in, a, in my wheelchair, in my bed, and then being surrounded by individuals that needed a bit more support, needed a bit more help because of their injuries were worse than me, made me realize, do you know what? I'm just a paraplegic. I can't use my legs, but... That's fine. Unbelievable. You know, you could just move on. You are unbelievable. So you're 20 years old. You've, you're coming to terms with whatever this looks like for the next phase of your life. Your friends and family are around you thinking, old Sean, new Sean. And then you become this adventure-seeking, full of life living. See, so that, so that's, that's the hardest thing as well. So, so I'm going to keep interrupting. No, that. go. So, so at, at that time, what, what happens with, with any situation you actually find out who your true friends are. You sure do, which is why I brought it up. Because all of a sudden, the people you thought would stick next to you are nowhere to be found. And then surprising ones. I found that with my divorce. We're not even talking a, an injury, but it's anytime you individuate from the crowd and define yourself as something or are, are defined by something, it makes everyone else very uncomfortable around you. It yeah, really yeah. does. And it's like losing it, a chess piece and then no one knows where else to go. Absolutely. I mean, even even to a point where where when I was 
um, allowed, you know, when I first went back home just for a short break and I came across the individuals, a couple of individuals that were in the, in the car with me, they actually crossed the road. <gasps> because, yeah, you know, people deal, with, people deal with things in different ways, you know. For me, it's like, um, I, I, I understand why they did it because they didn't know what to say to me. They probably felt uh, embarrassed. They probably felt upset. They probably felt that they had, you know, left me and everything else. So I get that. It's fine. You know, and I've got no malice or uh, I've got no hard feelings towards them because we deal with things in different situations and you, you can't judge somebody just because they crossed the other side of the road and they didn't speak to you. Yeah, I was hurt at that time, but you know, you see this is the old, this is the wiser me, that I'm, you know. Look at, but, look at you, it's even documented. So anytime yeah, you have a bad yeah. day, just pop this in your ears, be like, look how smart I am. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, so so you, so you become then, you, so you understand that people do deal with things in different ways and, it, and that's okay because we are all individual we're all unique we're all you know if we if we dealt with things exactly the same well life would be boring but it's not you know it makes us who you are it just makes us our character and uh it develops uh our person and and that's what people love i'm so floored by you this is this is going to be a Sorry. hard one to get through without tears so you then decide to take your life with your wheelchair that became part of you and make your life your own. And you have done some crazy ass adventure stuff that people who are not in a wheelchair would be like, nah, mate, I'm good. I'm going to set this one out. <laughs> Send me pictures when you get there. Yeah, Is the adventure know, thrilled to feel life or were you adventuresome before? No, because I, I was always, yeah, no, I was always adventurous before. I, I always, I mean, I was fortunate, like, uh, with my dad when we were stationed in Zimbabwe and, and, and you know I knew the Zambezi and I was always I've always adventurous in that side so people you know if they should we go and do this yeah let's go and do that you know so um, the wheelchair that my, my, my adventure journey you know people call me a wheelchair nutter uh, you know <laughs> and it's great because um, when I set out to, to do all these challenges I didn't set out to do the challenges because um, I wanted to inspire people, uh, you know, and I, I, wanted, I set out because I wanted to show myself, goes back to myself, that um, with a supportive team around me, with uh, a good positive mindset and determination, you know, that you can achieve anything. Okay, it might take you a little while or maybe you might have to adapt something to achieve that ultimate goal but that's okay that is okay because, that's always i mean there is no yeah. one that's that's the path for anyone granted yours is more physical tangible and measurable but there isn't anyone who tells himself a story that they don't have to overcome in order to achieve something or understand how to ask for help, be humble enough to not think your ego is going to drive you through. You know, there are lessons here for everyone, but we've got the practical challenges here that you have that other people do not have. I'm not diminishing the mental challenges at all, but the combination of both give you a one-two punch that will either drive you all the way forward or make you quit, which obviously you don't quit. 
are you as driven in between your adventures? And I'd love if you would share with the audience, what are some of the insane adventures this wheelchair nutter has taken himself on? Um, I am the only uh, adaptive individual athlete to have completed uh, two of the UK World Obstacle Course Racing Championships. Um, I've completed over 100 kilometers of obstacle course racing, you know, the Tough Mudders, etc. Um, I've jumped out of an airplane. I've uh, scaled Kilimanjaro, Snowden, Helvellyn, Ben Nevis. Um, I've pushed from Land's End to John O'Groats. Um, I've uh, done marathons. I've done half marathons. Uh, at the moment, I'm scuba diving. I'm the first paraplegic amputee to um, work towards becoming a recovery diver. Um, yeah. You've been and busy the past 30 years. I have a family. I work full time. I raise money for charity along the way. So, um, yeah. And my favorite weird? part you know, about you know, is the smile you know, on your face. Do you know what? Do you know what's strange? Like, because like when 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 you ask me these questions, like you ask me a question, <laughs> and, I, and I start thinking about, it, and I'm thinking, holy crap! Yeah. I hope that's what you're thinking. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've, I've done that, and I've done that, and I've done this, and 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 do you know what? What a journey! I've raised so much for different charities and changed people's lives, and to me, that has been the the, the the drive for me as well as well as wanting to do it myself but it's that giving back and seeing somebody somebody's life change because you've uh, been a little bit of uh, been a small part of that so i i'm never speechless this is this is a hard one for me i feel like i'm sitting in front of like a miraculous angels in front of me and has no idea you have just this lovely smile on your face, like this is a normal Tuesday and this is the shit that people do. When you look at people who struggle, whether it's mental health illness, um, uh, they are always whinging about something. They, you know, always looking at the empty cup. Life is not easy. We're recording this in the middle of a fun pandemic globally. When you see people who, from your perspective, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but you are a positive person who has a strong sense of self and an understanding of what it takes to live how he wants to live. What does it feel like to watch people um, struggle through their lives and not be able to get out of their own way? See, for me, for me, it's, it's always been about um, when I see individuals like this and I've, I've been around individuals like this, um, it's always been because they've never had a supportive network around them. You know, and when I, what I mean by that, I don't mean counselors and I don't mean psychologists and I don't mean any of that, any of that shit. What I mean is um, having somebody there to say, do you know what? It's not about sympathy. I think it's about empathy. Sympathy is insulting. Sympathy makes someone crawl deeper into a hole. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've never wanted anybody to sympathize with what I've gone through. I'd like you to empathize and I'd like you to say, do you know what, Sean? I understand. So for me, it's always been about uh, individual. I always try and reach out to, and you'll see all on, always on my social media posts and stuff like that. My, 
my door is always open. If anybody wants to talk, if anybody just needs me to say, you know, I, I got I got a comment the other day. I got a lovely message the other day from somebody who said, do you know what, Sean, you saved my life. And that, and you know, you, you know, you said you're, you're, I, I, I was, and I was thinking, what, I've just been me. And, and, and it's because one, I replied to that person and we had a, we had a little conversation and, and that's where I think people need, people need somebody just, the people need to not feel embarrassed about how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think because, I mean, don't get, I think society is getting better. I think with all the mental health side and information that's out there and all the mm -hmm. celebrities and, and media individuals that are willing uh, to talk about it more so now, I think that's making it that I think that's making things easier for people to talk about and I think for me it's a, a case of sometimes even if it's just sending a message to a stranger that can have a bigger impact than trying to speak to somebody who's closer to you a hundred percent and you have your own judgments and shame and when other people can accept you without judgment it makes it easier to lower that but I can imagine a lot of people and this is not your doing this is just by the nature of it Sean's different. He's wired differently. I could never do that. Look at him. He never moans about his life. Look at what he does. He's in, who am I to complain about my little problems? So but there been, comes this. I've been split. there. I've been there. I've done that. You know, what, what I, I've I've been through that 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 dark side of um, not. You know, when it all when all when when my when my journey started. Um, I was only 20, so I had to really accept, and it wasn't, and, I, and I'm still accepting things now, you know, like, so when, when my children were born, when my children were born, it made me, that was another little uh, obstacle in my life, because then it made me realize that I was different because I was in a wheelchair, and I couldn't be the normal dad, because I couldn't kick a football or a soccer ball, you know, I couldn't do all these things, that, that and that was another, that was another turning point that made me sit back and look at myself and make me realize that I was different again. So I had to go through that, that, that emotional state of saying, do you know what? I'm still a good father. I'm still a good husband. I'm still a good uh, son. I'm still, I'm still a good individual. Um, but I just need to do things in a different way. Um, and that, that's, so I've been through that, that, that dark side of, and that doubt inside. And when you start to doubt yourself, then um, it's difficult because you can get yourself in a little spiral and you can get yourself in a, you know, on a little turning wheel that you, you can't get off. And it's not until sometimes it takes uh, a comment, it takes somebody that, 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 that you're talking to, it, it, it might take something that you've seen to open your eyes and have this epiphany and, and think, you know what, I need to do something. It's yeah. not easy, yeah. and it's not easy, and it's and and I and for for individuals that 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 might be watching this and thinking, yeah, but Sean's so positive. You don't see me on my down days. You don't see me on my downside. You don't see me on that side. You know, my wife Dawn, she does. The kids do. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm trying to be, and I'm always uplifting, and I will support and help anybody. But you know, sometimes that I I'll have a down day, and I'll think, you know what. I just can't be asked today. And when you have down days, like everyone does, 
what are your rituals to pull yourself out of it? Because this positivity and this strength and adventure is wonderful on the good days, but it can wallop your ass on the, on the hard days of you carry a lot. You carry a lot of people. You carry a lot of responsibility of inspiring people, even if you didn't do it on purpose. That's a very heavy load when you're having a very human, regular Sean person day in the chair, out of the chair, just from a heart place, forget what your body does. What are ways that you do to get yourself out of this? Because people will put someone like you on a pedestal and then think you're always this version of yourself. You're always the way you are. You show up on a podcast, you show up you know, at the top of a mountain. That's not what real life looks like all the time. Hopefully no. more often than not. What are ways you, as a maverick, figure out your own way out of your own quagmire? Because no one else can help us in that moment except our own belief system of navigating that light and dark, those, both of those voices that are you know, cheering for us and beating us up that we all have and we all battle with on a day-to-day -day basis. So what does that look like for you? Do you know what? I, for me, I'll, if, if I know that, you know, so for instance, like I'll, I'll have a bad day, I'll just give myself a, and this is weird, I'll set myself a little goal for that day. Right, today, I'm actually going to go and make some cakes, some cookies mm -hmm. with my daughter. Mm -hmm. Just, and it's not about, it's, it's about taking my mindset off something. So go and occupy my mind. Okay, I might, and, I, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to bullshit and say, oh yeah, I'm going to sit there and read a book. I hate reading books. Right. Right. You know, I would rather watch a movie or I'd rather, I'd rather be, I'd rather do something, you know, mm -hmm. or I might just go for a, you know, me and Dawn will go for a walk or we'll go and do something just to take myself out. That's it. I, I believe, I always believe. And I always say like, so the, the, the days that, that I've, that I've woken up and I felt shit and I thought, you know, I can't be doing this, you know, I will get myself sorted will get dressed and then I'll just get myself out in that environment. I'll force myself out of that environment. Even if I'm just, my shop is just down the road. Even if you're just going for a push down the road to the shop to come back because taking yourself out in that environment for that short space of time actually clears your mind. It does. It does. And it stops that runaway train in our brains that, is relentless if you let it go. I mean, we all have it. Anyone who says they don't is not telling the truth. That's just, yeah, no one would brutalize us the way we brutalize ourselves. No, so, so it's, but, but you've got to be strong enough to say, do you know what, Look, I'm just going to go to the shop. I'm just going to get myself out because if you don't, then you end up in that environment all day. And once you're in the environment all day, it festers. And once it festers, then it then things become more problematic than the probably what they right. When when I was um, when I when I was working, I used to work in a in a children's uh, centre, and I used to support families that were going through difficult times, especially children uh, that were going through behaviour problems. And there was a book that I used to read to them. It was called A Big Bag of Worries. Okay, and this Big Bag of Worries is just a beautiful book, which uh, actually symbolizes a lot about what children go through, but also about what adults go through. So the big bag of worries, we will, throughout our day, we will worry about small things. So we'll put them in our rucksack. We'll build it up, you know? At the end of the day, we've built up this big sack on our back and it's hunched us over and we're walking around like this. 
when you take that back and you start taking out all these little worries that you have and you realize that that wasn't that wasn't really something to, I needed to worry about but I needed to worry about it so when you actually analyze and you take it and you dissect it all and you realize that actually all these worries that I put on my shoulders I didn't really need to worry about them at all because I could have dealt with it there and then you know I and the, the book that, that, I, that, I, that, I, that I read with uh, the, the kids then when they were going through difficult times was about that because society is quick to put pressure on individuals. You know, we have Instagram and WhatsApp and Facebook and we have all these social media sites, which are amazing, amazing. But I think a lot of them can be used in a negative way because they they want people to see you know you can photoshop yourself and you can do all this you can make yourself look like somebody that you're not and we put all this pressure on ourselves and children and young people put all the pressure on themselves because it's how many likes i'm getting on instagram it's how many looks i'm getting on here da, da, da. so and where and, and this is so this big bag of worries i i always go back to this book because to me, it just symbolizes everything. Worry about things that you're in control of. Don't worry about things that you're not in control. I'm not, I can't control how another person sees me. I can't control their emotions. People are either going to like me or they're going to hate me. If they hate me, that's fine. They like Most me, of the time, it fine. has nothing to do with you anyway. That's the funny part. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so I always say, worry about things that you're in control of. Because if you, if you break it down and you do worry about things that you're in control of, then it makes things easier to, to understand. I mean, and that's just my opinion. And that's just, I agree 1,000%. You know, and I'm fascinated by hearing you because I agree 1,000% with you as a person. And then... This, this side of my head is running the story of, look what this man has been through and the perspective that you have that is a perspective of someone who sounds as though he's been untouched by the level of adversity that you have been. So I have a real question and you may not know the answer because it may just be how you're wired, but I have no doubt anyone listening to this is gonna be like, how the hell you said from the start, and you've mentioned it a few times as we've been talking about acceptance, we need to accept things in order to move on. Sean, where is there a place in a human being to accept that at 20, your life was instantly changed? And I think it's magnificent that you say, if you could be out of the wheelchair, you wouldn't go back and change something because of the journey it's taken you on, which I love. And that's acceptance for sure. But how does that go in? Where does that go? How did you learn that? Is that natural for you? Was it a necessary evil of you didn't want to trap yourself in your own life? That is, to me, not an intuitive move in that moment. Love that question. I love that question. I know I do, right, because um, it took a while for me to accept I am the chair, the chair is me, you know? Uh, I went through uh, a difficult stage um, when I first had the accident. So I was in hospital. So, so if, I, if we, so when I was in hospital, 
I was in a spinal unit. In the spinal unit, everything was there. So if I fell out of my chair, there was a nurse there. If I had an accident, there was somebody there to wipe me ass. If I, if, I, if I needed to get dressed, there was somebody there to teach me. So everything was there. When you got discharged from the hospital, you had to then go through another journey of realizing, shit, I'm actually in a wheelchair. I haven't got that security of, if I fall out of a chair, a nurse is going to be there. If I shit myself, somebody's going to be there. go that far. The counter in the hospital or in a rehab place is rigged so that everything's very easy. You absolutely. go home so, you're like, so I you're, never so noticed my countertop before. Absolutely. So you're, you, you be, you're a cotton walled. Yeah. So you're laced in this cotton wall. And, it's, and then when you break free and you're discharged, then that's another journey. When I, I had to go into a re, re, rehabilitation home, and in this home, when I first went in, um, on, the, on the quiet, this is where I met my wife. Shh. I won't tell. Everything was all secret. Secret. Um, yeah, I think we're good now. <laughs> that's good. Um, so when I was in the rehabilitation home, so I was, I was 20, a six month before, six, no, uh, a week before my 21st, I was discharged from the spinal unit. Mm-hmm. And I went into the rehab unit, okay? And when I went into this unit, um, the, the unit itself was built around or was designed for individuals who were classified as tetraplegics. So people that have broken their necks. So obviously needed a little bit more support, care, da da da, da. So there's me, a paraplegic. Yay, got hands. Yay, um, lucky you. Yay, <laughs> going in, <laughs> into a unit, into a, a situation where... The, 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 the guys, and it was mainly mainly men, were in this unit, had been in the chair 10, 15, 20 years, you know. So I went in, I was very naive. I went in thinking, thinking, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. Thinking that I was going to go in there and I was going to be accepted and they were going to talk to me and da-da-da. No. There was so much jealousy and envy towards me um, because I was a paraplegic and I was young and so so I so I had to go through this well nobody wants it's another (laughs) level of loss you were then excluded again wow yeah yeah because there was this hierarchy within the home you know by individuals that have been in that home for a certain period of time so so yeah, so so that was another that was another like um, situation that I had to deal with. So my head was my head was right. So how can I deal with this? So I tell you what I'll do, I'll go and learn to drive because I couldn't drive a car. I'll go and learn to drive. So I was that um, focused that I was going to drive. I bought a car before I took my test because I knew that I was going to pass my test. So I took six lessons. I and I went for my test and I passed my test first time. Mm-hmm. That that then gave me my legs back. Yeah. In my head, that gave me my legs back because the home then became just somewhere for me to sleep. So I would get up early in the morning, get dressed. I would uh, jump in the car. I'd drive an hour back home. I'd spend all day there. Then I'd go back, you know, one o'clock in the morning, back to the home, jump in bed, go to sleep, get up. So that that then became my ritual for 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 a while because it kept me out of that negative environment and back in an environment which I was comfortable with. 
Um, so that I, that was another journey, which which was so f for me to to deal with that was take myself out of that situation. So the way I can take myself out of that situation, I focus on a goal. My goal was to learn to drive. You know? And that's what I'm going to do. I mean, everyone else would be like, fuck off world. I don't want to do anything. But so your acceptance came from, like you said earlier, things you could control, putting a mark down, meeting it and feeling like you, you were in relation to your life again, really, yeah. rather than everything yeah. happening to you. Yeah. Yeah. See, things are, things, I, I'm, I'm a great believer. Things happen for a reason. Uh, I'm a great, great believer in fate. Um, I'm not a religious guy and I, and I hold my hand up, but I believe in fate. I believe things happen for a reason. So my situation happened for a reason because every cloud has a silver lining. I met my wife. I have the kids. I've done, I've done some amazing, amazing things. I've, never been out of a job since my accident you know and and that's my journey that is my journey i've 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 nurtured it and cherished it and and yeah would i change it no <laughs> it's unbelievable so on the first season of the podcast i interviewed a guy named bruno hansen he is the five time i think it's five time gold medalist uh, adaptive surfer Yep. He was in a terrible accident a million years ago, uh, Zimbabwe, and I believe I'm very bad with this geography thing, from that side of the world. And one yep. of the things that he's currently building is a rehabilitation center for extreme athletes who then are then wheelchair bound, because it's interesting talking to you about the hospital and the rehab. He had a similar experience and talked about a lot about the fact that from someone who went, he was in his, I think, mid-20s from being so active to, I can reach the peanut butter, the paper towels are right here. It was almost an irritant for him. So he's in Panama now, building with his own hands and a team, a rehab place where he's literally, will throw them out of a wheelchair, the healing athletes, he calls them, to crawl into the water, get on a fucking surfboard. You were like this before. You don't want to be those old, grumpy, angry people in the home. That part is a choice where the physicality and the healing is almost like you have to choose the healing you want. If you want to just learn the basics, you will. You want to go learn how to drive a car in the middle of that, you will. And this is something that all levels of ability we forget this. We think that life hands it to us and then our response to it is what we're allowed to do, what we're allowed to have, what we're, who we're allowed to be. Where it's the opposite and you model this and so does Bruno, which is why I bring him up. It's, there is no impossibility. It's I set a goal. I figure out how to find the support around me, whether it's physical, emotional, um, even just practical sometimes. How do I make this shit happen? People have that in terms of starting an organization. Well, I need money, I need the practical, and then I need the mental side. And then going after that goal instead of lowering every goal to just be something you can meet that you still don't feel. I think that is where the acceptance, as I'm listening to you, because nowhere in there is there any victimhood, which there damn well is earned and could have been, but it yeah. would have been a waste of your energy because you don't believe in it. It would... Have, have stopped the road between you and your goal. What's the point? Ne neg negative energy um, burns up so much of your time. And um, we're only here once. You know, to me, I it's always... Like you're here twice a little bit. We just live, life, li live life. 
love life, love who you are and love what you do and love and accept the journey that you're on. And to me, that's, that's, that is, that's what I live for. And that's what I embed in my children and, you know, in our family, because life's too short. Life is too short. You know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So, you know, don't look back. Let's look forward. What we're going to do next? Okay, let's let's little goals. Little, little, I always say for, for for your for your for your viewers, for your listeners, plan a small goal, a small uh, achievable goal every day that you want to achieve, and it's not a materialistic thing. It's something that is personal, and and it's real to you. So it could be, it could be, you know, for me it was right. I want to learn to dress myself, you know, I want to learn to push that chair. So it was, it's these small steps because when you start focusing on little things, then you can start focusing on bigger things where you want to go. You know, um, I've always had individuals in my life who have actually inspired me throughout my working career. So from the time of my accident, um, I, this is good. See, you're going to laugh at this, right? So, from the time of my accident, when I was in the rehab, rehab home, I, I needed to occupy my mind. So I went and volunteered in a, in a day centre. Um, and I volunteered in the day centre because, um, one, I wanted to be, I needed to occupy my mind. But also, I wanted to be around other people because and, and, I'm a people's person. So I volunteered. Um, and then when I moved back home, um, I was thinking, right, what can I do? So I, I volunteered in a children's home. And then somebody, in, there was a, a lady in there called Wendy she said look Sean I think why don't you why don't you get some qualifications you'll be really good so um I then worked in a in a high school and um I remember Mrs King say she said to me Sean you become a teacher and I'm like so she pushed me in and she said I can see this in you if somebody can see something in you I went and qualified as a teacher you know I just I'm blown. So, 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 so I did all this, uh, and then, and then from there, um, I sort of I went into teaching. I was teaching uh, special needs uh, to adults and to young people uh, on IT. Uh, and then from there, I then worked in the, the care sector, and then I started delivering uh, care packages to people that worked in care homes to say, look, you know, I, I understand that you know the medical side. Right. But we also need to understand the emotional side about what these individuals are going through. So I was delivering courses on, on emotional well-being for, for what patients were going through to try and give the, the um, yeah, no, and, and see, it's all coming back to me. And you then from are, there. It's coming back to me because it wouldn't dawn on you. Oh, that was probably, a, I should probably tell Sherry that also. Yeah, so so then from there, from there, then I, I went um I, I worked in the children's centres for a, for a long period of time, but, um, working uh, with families that were going through difficult strategies, a lot of child protection stuff. And so I was working with hard to reach families, which I, I loved. Um, I was writing parenting programs and I was delivering parenting programs and strategies and stuff like that. Uh, and then the local college said, look, Sean, come and work for us. So then I was headhunted by the, by the college and I went into the college and then I started I started uh, teaching teachers how to become teachers um, and delivering, coordinating all the qualifications. And then I came, so my, 
my career pathway has always been in the care sector, has always been in the giving sector, has always been in that sector to say, do you know what? Um, I get a buzz of, of seeing somebody else achieve, you know. So when I was working with the parents from the hard to reach families that have never had any qualifications, so I created qualifications which, which were um, over here, they were through all the AQA that they could achieve. So they've never had a qualification and we would, and I'd perform, we'd do all the ceremonies and we'd do the, we'd make a big thing for them because they've never had that. So, yeah. Yeah, No, I'm listening to you and, you know, we're around the same age. I'm a couple of years younger than you. And I'm thinking nowadays how adaptive and adapted the world is. Hotels, train stations, places to go, you know, that are wheelchair accessible. You're talking about all of this 30 years ago when none of this was going on. I'm listening to you talk about the places you went into and you know what I'm thinking? How the hell did he park his car and actually get into the building? Like it was so not part of society that you've done all you've done in that chair as part of your life and it didn't stop you. You weren't judged for it. You weren't excluded for it because of how you carried yourself literally and, and physically and emotionally here. Yeah. It didn't stop you even then. It's not, it was not today. No. Wow. No. And you know, um, look, I, I, I do feel like within any society, um, people are scared of the unknown. Yes. So um, how, you know, if you have wear glasses, if you've got ginger hair, if you've got black hair, if, you've got, if you're bold, if you're in a wheelchair, if you're, you know, if you, people are quick to judge whoever you are. So um, society's still got a, you know, I still, I always get, right, this is what I call it. I call it the, the does he take sugar syndrome? Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is, um, when myself and Dawn, my wife, when we, when, we, when, when we was getting together and we was going out, and I always had somebody, when we go to a cafe, somebody always said to, to, to Dawn, does he take sugar? As though you weren't there. I wasn't there. Yeah. Or I'd go and pay for something, mm -hmm. and the money, the change would go above my head and go straight to Dawn. So the does he so the does he take sugar syndrome is people don't know how to respond to people in different situations because they might be embarrassed they don't they, they might lack of ignorance or arrogance or whatever I don't know um, but people deal with things in different ways we're never going to get away from that society is never going to be acceptance of everybody and the more people try and say, look, we have to accept everybody, the more unaccepted we become. So to me, it's that, I don't want you to accept me. I just want you to see me as a person. Yeah. That's the difference. And also you don't really eyes. need their acceptance. No. That's the thing so many of us sit waiting for permission. If they accept me, then I'm worthy. If they accept me, then I can do this. You run on your own clock and time in a very maverick way. You just want to be seen and acknowledged as a human being. Yeah, absolutely. It goes back to what I said before about uh, you know social media. Social media is great, but it's all that acceptance, isn't it? And it's a how many likes anyway, right? Absolutely. How many likes I get? You know, how many views I've got? That's acceptance because yeah. you're constantly looking at it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. Look at me. They love me on Monday. Yeah. 
go me. <laughs> and then when they don't, you're like, I, I said something smart. Where are you people? And yeah, yeah. then refresh it again. Absolutely. Did you not see this? Is there something wrong with Google today? No, that was yesterday. Absolutely. 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 And, what and, is yeah, next and for you? Because I know um, you're not even close to done. No, no. At the moment, um, I'm working with, so I'm scuba diving at the moment. So, so like, obviously, so two years ago, um, my other journey, <laughs> going up Ben Nevis, 300 meters from the top. Oh my and um, the, it started to rain and uh, we stopped. I stopped. I bent down to get my jacket, saw that my leg wasn't there. It was underneath the chair, picked my leg up, still attached to me. And uh, it, it, the only way I can describe it is, you know, when you, you, you remember as a kid when you used to get an Easter egg and, and somebody had bashed it and it was all crunchy inside. <laughs> That's how my leg felt. That was your leg. That was my leg. That was my leg. So, so um, obviously when I had to, so the journey with this one is um, when they airlifted me off uh, Ben Nevis, I went to the hospital. I, I saw what had happened. I said, look, you're going to have to chop that off. It's not going to, you know, amputate it. It's not going to heal. Uh, for nine weeks, I had this this, um, this fight with the medical professions because they were trying to save a leg. And I'm saying, you're trying to say something that, that you know, I can't walk anyway. So I had to write a um, um, this, you know, oh, I don't know what you call it. I had to put I had to put a case study together. For your own for your own body part. <laughs> I had to put a case study together. You were advocating for your leg. Yeah. So the pros and cons oh my right, God. of of what they were trying to do and what I was saying needed to be done. Okay? So the pros and cons of that. So anyway, eventually, long story short, nine weeks later this was, nine weeks later, a surgeon said, Sean, I agree. So I went in on the Thursday, I had my leg amputated Thursday night. I was discharged on the Friday and I was back in the gym on the Saturday. Oh my, I don't know what you're made of. I don't understand what you're made of. Yeah, but I, I, but I couldn't feel, you know, the, the, time, the time I did my answer in, in Ben Nevis. But mentally, mentally. No, so I'm, no, no, see, see, cause, see, 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 because it was as right the, the the hardest thing in my life has been accepting that massive change at the age of 20 from walking to the wheelchair right what could possibly so you already mourn the loss of your leg you didn't need it anymore it didn't define no. it was totally not part of you anymore no it was that do you know what weight watchers i just chopped my leg off why <laughs> Why should I pay for all this Weight Watchers shit when I can just go and have my leg amputated and lose like eight kilos in Easy. one session? You guys want a quick fix? I have one for you. <laughs> Come and see me. Just give me a ring. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, 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 but what I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to say, like, and I don't want people to, to look at me and think, oh, you know, you do, oh, whatever. I had already accepted the fact that one, I couldn't walk, and this was, so 28 years down my wheelchair journey. Two years ago, I had the accident. So 28 years, I was, I had lived my life, you know? 
I had accepted who I was. Trying to get that over to the surgeons that were trying to save my leg, they, uh, that's why I had to write the case study and the reasons why. So to me, it was like, let's save the NHS yeah. the money because they were trying to make me go do stuff that I needed, that I didn't need to do. When to me, it was amputate the leg. Right. You were putting value on something I no longer value because in their minds, someone else would want it, which makes no sense. So they don't get to make that decision for you. That's the, the, the funny thing was, the funny thing was, uh, my local hospital here, um, when I put the case study together and I, and I, <laughs> I had to give a presentation to the surgeon about what my, my case study, he said, uh, he said, right, okay, let me go. I'll take it to the surgeon and, and, and see what they say. He said, he, off he went, he went to see the surgeons. He came back and he said, okay, um, we agree with what you say, but the surgeons in this area, um, not one of them wants to, to, to operate because they've never, they've never operated on a disabled person before. But there is a guy in Blackpool, which is about an hour away, who uh, would be the, the best, you know, the best person. So I've said, right, look, that's fine. Let's just go with that. And this guy called Steve Mannion, brilliant surgeon, brilliant surgeon. You know, we got, we got him on a house on fire. And um, the day I went to see him, he x-rayed it. He married the two x-rays up. So he said, yeah, I, believe, I, I agree, Sean. Let's just, let's just do it. Wow. Now that took one session and I had nine weeks of battling with to people prove, to say, to fight for your own freedom from sex. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So this is where my head is. So, so for people to say, Sean, you, you went through another trial. No, I didn't. I, I didn't because the leg was there, but it wasn't, it, you know, Dawn's more, upset the fact that I've lost a leg than I am. But that just shows even I just did it in this interview of I put my opinion on where I didn't go through your first part of your morning. It just shows we, you know, we all assign what we think is valued. You've changed your life and created something completely different, which actually gives you a perspective to see the beauty in so many other things so many other people miss because yeah. we haven't had that raw visceral experience to choose ourselves and move forward. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, from for me, the, the thing I've had to do is I've had to re reevaluate how I, I do things now. So when I say that, I mean, like how I get onto the bed, I've had to transfer in a different way, because I used to transfer in a way that that um, was, I used to lead with the right leg. Well, obviously, I haven't got the right leg now. So I have to lead with the left leg. So right. I've had to readjust that. But that that's it. Everything else. It's fine. It was already, fact, you already part the fact, off. Uh, part of the fact I had to have a, a heated discussion with Adidas and Nike. Other brands are available, just saying, uh, because, because, because um, when I came to buy a new pair of trainers, sneakers, right? Eh? Trainers, trainers, yes. Yeah. I don't need a pair. I just want one. So I was on customer service, Adidas and Nike. Um, do you do you sell one one to the, no? And I got I got I got I was told left right and center from Adidas both Adidas customer service and Nike customer service they were very in fact they were very rude um, to say that because they thought I was wanting right. trainers for charity and I said no 
I just want to buy one one trainer, a left leg. That's all I need. It's on, but but look how society just lives with it's such a given that the question even seems crazy to them. Yeah. Yeah. You have such a, I'll call it fun because you're playful about it, a fun perspective on watching everyone else live a regular life where you get to almost come in and come out. You get to Absolutely. play in the space of possibility and then also go live your own reality. Absolutely. You know, for me, for me, it's the case for anybody that's listening, I would say life's too short, you know, don't, and, and, I, and I, this is where my, my head is. My head is, I don't want to get to a point. So when I first had my accident, I had to go for a consultation and the guy said to me, the consultant said to me, Sean, you're only going to live to you 52. Right? On Friday, I'm, I hit 50. So I, so I'm having a laugh with my kids saying, you know, I've only got two more years and, you know, because that's where, that's where I head is. Um, but for me, it's if, what I'm getting at is like, um, I didn't want to get to a stage in my life. I don't want to hit 50 and, and, and think, ah, oh, I wish I'd done Kilimanjaro. Yeah. I wish I'd jumped out of an airplane. I wish I'd done all these things I've done. I want to look back and think, you know, so Paul said to me the other day, Paul, when I, when Paul said to me the other day, he said, did I see Ben Nevis as a failure? Cause I didn't get to the top. My, my answer to that was, why was it a failure? It wasn't a failure. We had a great team. We had a great supportive network. Um, I lost weight and we raised money for charity. I thought the same thing as him. I'm picturing you being airlifted out and be like, could you just drop him at the top first and then go? <laughs> yeah. What a great, what a great. Let him at least touch it and then take I, him. I, I got off, I got off Ben Nevis first class. I mean, Perfect. that's one way to get down. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the quickest way to get down. It took us ages to get up. But, 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 it, but, it, but it was, what I'm getting at with, with Paul is that, you know, it's, I don't look at things so I didn't succeed. You know, people say, you, you didn't get to the top of Ben Nevis. I know I didn't, but it's not a failure. I haven't gotten to the bottom, so we're you know, already it, a win. It, what I did was an achievement and it was a journey. And the people that, that was, you know, all these people that, that come on my little journeys and adventures with me, um, I don't go out there to say, oh, do you want to do this? It's weird. I feel like the Pied Piper of Hamlet sometimes because I, I decide to do something and everybody says, Sean, oh, can I do I it with it. you? You know, I'm coming with you. I want to I be part of this because, you know, when I did all the obstacle course racing, you know, when I, people, I had strangers message me on Facebook and, and Instagram saying, Sean, when's your next race? Because I want to be part of your team, you know because they, they wanted to experience, not just going round, but the camaraderie and the laughter and the fun that we had taking part in a race, but overcoming the obstacles, which I always look at the obstacles that we, we, we took on them races. I like the obstacles in life, because every time we got to an obstacles, we had to evaluate as a team how we was gonna get over that. Now, for me, I was like, yeah, just throw me over. But everyone was like, you know, we need to get over this safely. So we have to, let's look at the, the safest method that's going to be safe for you, Sean, but also safe for us. And that was, that was a family. That was you part know, the of people that. who want to surround themselves by you, 
you radiate possibility. You radiate defying the odds, but living it, not just to defy it, not in a rebellious way, but in a, I'm fully living. How many people do we know? How many people honestly do you know who fully live, who live full expressions of themselves, who are willing to be brave and courageous to say what they want, to say what they don't want, to believe in something different than someone else. We are not surrounded by a world that lives like that. Even in the middle of pandemic, some people expanded, lots of people constricted even more so. What it really did was gave everyone more freedom to do things their way, the cage doors open, and people are cowering in the corner because we are not taught this. No, no, and, and, it's, and it's who you are and it's the life experience that you have that actually enables you to develop. We develop ourselves, we develop our character, we develop our coping strategies, we develop our resilience to things that happen, you know. Um, and I'm fortunate that, that my journey has, has put me into contact with some amazing people and and i'm proud to be part of their lives as well as them be part of my life as well you know you know the one of you know you wanted me to do this is just another added journey of my life and makes me humble because to me i'm always thinking shit why do people want to listen to me talking about crap you know i'm just talking about i'll take this over any other crap that's out in the world. You know I mean? I'd rather people to listen to you all day long. Put Love Island down, please, human beings. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's the same, it's the same with Paul. It's, you know, I'm so, yeah. But your well, humbleness makes it even more beautiful. And it's just so beautiful to witness. I'm so grateful that you spent this time with me and shared so much of yourself with the listeners and me and allowed me to be open and ask questions that other people may cringe by. I'm not like that. So thank you for just everything, your presence, your devotion to growth, your ability to show people a different way. It's truly, truly an honor, truly an honor. Life's too short. Live it, Life love is it. too short. You know? And it is a journey and we're going to have so many different adventures in our lives and you know it's just embrace it if you embrace it and you don't work against it then you then you then become more fulfilled that's my prophecy i i I am i'm sitting in the front row of the church i'm with you amen throwing my hands up how can people learn more about you learn about the projects that you're working on things that you're up to Oh, God, I'm bloody at social media. So I'm all over the shop. <laughs> Perfect. I will put all the links in the show notes. And yeah, no, you are um, just Instagram, absolutely incredible. Just Instagram. Mark my Facebook, words. I'm going to come to one of your races. I ain't running. I ain't swimming. And I'm not climbing in dirt. But I will be there to cheer. When the world opens up again, I'm getting on a plane. And I'm going to come watch and cheer, you, cheer for you at one of Well, your listen. Races. Thank you so much for... Um, having me and allow me to to share my life you are um, you are thank you for sharing it It is a beautiful life it truly is you i have grown from today and i i have you to thank for that so thank you and that's a wrap on another episode of the mavericks in motion podcast thanks for hanging out with us don't forget to head over to subscribe and leave a review for us and if you want to know how to capture your own maverick Head to sharryteegman.com 
and grab a $1 14-day trial in our membership, Maverick Life Unleashed. See you in the next show.